This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Two lengthy shows tonight, so let's get right to it. Our first show was first heard in 1942. Here's The Whistler and Apparition. Wait a minute. Have you heard the strange tales of The Whistler? I'm the Whistler. John was here in this room. I saw him and talked to him. He had a message for me. And while he was here, the room was filled with the odor of musty roses. Another Sunday night, and again, CBS presents The Whistler. The whistler know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. And so I tell you tonight the unusual story of apparition. In the midst of a circle of tall, moaning pines spreads an old mansion. On the second floor, a low light burns in a large bedroom, the bedroom of Elizabeth Kemper the elderly mistress of the mansion. Mrs. Kemper's husband, John, died suddenly a year ago and left his entire estate to his wife, Elizabeth. Shortly after John's death, Elizabeth brought her husband's sister, Bertha, and Bertha's daughter, Celia, to live with her. Since John's death, Elizabeth's health has gradually failed and she has taken to her bed. In the meantime, Elizabeth's only sister, Mary, has come to live in the great house and Mary's son, Herbert. Now, long past midnight, Elizabeth tosses in her bed and mumbles. John. John. What is it? What do you want? Why don't you say it? Suddenly, Elizabeth's door bursts open, and Bertha moves into the room and stands beside the bed. Elizabeth? Elizabeth? Huh? Ah! Elizabeth! It's Bertha. Oh. Bertha. Oh, yes, Bertha. Why did you scream? Scream? Did I scream? Yes. Just as I came in the room. Uh, you must have frightened me. Were you dreaming? No, I... I don't think so. But I don't know. I... I thought John was here. John? You thought John was here? Yes. Standing there beside the bed. Elizabeth? I saw him, too, just a moment ago. What? In my room. 
Oh, but that's nonsense. Why should he always appear to you? I'm his sister. Yes. Yes, of course. John was trying to tell me something. Something about you. What? He was trying to tell me that you should listen to him. Listen to him? Something about the property. What about the property? He says he made a mistake. Mistake? He says he wasn't killed accidentally. He did it deliberately. He committed suicide. Suicide? Why should he have done that? He hasn't explained that. But he says now he knows the truth about everything. He knows that his reason for hating me and cutting me off in his will was unfounded. And he's sorry. He's been trying to reach you, but you aren't receptive. You claim you've seen John every night since the day he died. I have, Elizabeth. I swear I have. I've seen him many times in my dreams. But why doesn't he tell me what he wants? Some night, Elizabeth, John will reach you in your waking moments. Then you'll believe me. But I can't understand it. He didn't like you and he told me so. Why should he change now? Perhaps it would be best if Celia and I left you. Why should you want to leave all of a sudden? You have your own sister and her son, Herbert. You won't be alone. I only knew what John was trying to say to me. I've told you what he's been saying to me. Mother, is anything wrong? We heard someone scream. At least I thought I did. No, nothing's wrong. Go back to bed. Elizabeth! Elizabeth! What is this? What's what, Mary? Oh, dear me. I, I heard someone scream. What was it? Are oh, you all right, Elizabeth? Yes, Mary. I had a nightmare, that's all. Oh. Well, I, I was worried. Better go back to bed, all of you. I'll be all right. Yes. Yes, come along, everybody. I'll see you in the morning. Good night. But, Mother, why do you keep frightening Aunt Elizabeth by telling her about Uncle John? I'm not frightening her. She should know the truth. But she is frightened. Why, she's getting worse and worse. Are you sure you have seen Uncle really? Do you dare suggest that I'm lying? Is that what you mean, Celia? No, no, Mother. I didn't mean that honest. That's better. And don't you ever say such a thing again. But why doesn't he appear to Aunt Elizabeth? She only dreams about him. That's something that can't be answered. There are those who are gifted with the powers to see those who have departed. See them and talk with them. I'm one of those so gifted. Do you understand? Yes, yes, Mother. John is trying to get a message to Elizabeth about me... And because he finds it difficult to reach her, he's chosen me as the medium. What is the message? He left me nothing in his will because he hated me and thought I hated him. But you did. I did not. It was his imagination. But now he's learned the truth. Now he knows I had nothing but his best interests at heart. He's trying to tell Elizabeth to leave all the estate to me. And he will continue to return to this house until his mission is accomplished. Then his soul can rest in peace. I'm frightened, Mother. I don't want to stay here another day. I can't stand it you here. You stay here until I'm ready to leave. Do you hear me? Yes, yes, Mother. I, I hear. Now stop this nonsense and go to bed. Yes, Mother. I, I'm sorry. You'd better be. In another part of the great house, Herbert is talking with his mother, Mary, Elizabeth's own sister. Now, now, Mother, get hold of yourself. Oh, I'm very terribly frightened, Herbert. Why should you be frightened? Nothing can harm you. What have you to be afraid of? Oh, there's something awful in this house. I can feel it. I don't want to stay here any longer. We must leave before it's too late. I'll admit that strange things are going on, but I'm not ready to leave here. 
Not just yet. We don't belong here. Elizabeth is your own sister. I don't think John wants us here. You really believe that John's spirit is walking around this place every night? What else? Then why doesn't he say what he's trying to say and get it over? Well, I can't stay here much longer. I'll I'll lose my mind. I can imagine John's not wanting Bertha here, since he stipulated in his will that Aunt Elizabeth must never give Bertha a dollar of the estate. But what's he got against you? Nothing. He didn't say that Elizabeth couldn't leave you a part of it. All I want to do is to get out of this house. Well, I don't feel that way about it. Why should you walk out and leave everything to Bertha? Well, that's why John's staying around here. He doesn't want anyone here. Well, ghost or no ghost, I'm not walking out at a time like this. Then, then I will. I'm leaving here tomorrow. Oh, no. No, you're not leaving. We're both staying until, until Aunt Elizabeth makes her will. You're staying here whether you like it or not. You hear? Yes, Herbert. But nothing good will come of it. I'm convinced of that. (laughs) No? Well, we'll see about that. Good night, Mother. An hour later, Mary has finally dropped off to sleep. Then, as the clock strikes three, a figure in white slips into Mary's room and stands beside the bed. Slowly, Mary opens her eyes and stifles a scream. Who is it? What do you want? I want to talk to you, Mary. Yes, sir. I have a message for you. A message? Yes. John is here, standing beside me. Uh, I don't see anyone. He is here. What? What is the message? John says that Elizabeth is planning to leave the estate to you. But he's learned the truth. He knows that his dislike for me was unfounded. He wants the estate left to me, because it's rightfully mine. And he'll never be able to rest in peace until that is accomplished. Oh, I I don't want it. I don't want any part of the estate. Then if you want to escape this torment, you must convince your sister that John made a mistake. If you accept any part of it, John will never let you rest. Do you understand? Yes, 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 I understand. Very well, we'll leave you now. Good night. Elizabeth! Elizabeth, wake up! Oh, what? Wake up! Oh, Mary, what's wrong? You're shaking like a leaf. He... he was in my room. Who? John, he was in my room. Mary, what are you saying? He had a message. He said you were planning to leave the estate to me, according to his will. But he made a mistake about Bertha. He wants you to leave it to her. So he can rest in peace. Mary, are you out of your mind? No, no, you must believe me. I don't want any part of the estate. Oh, please promise me. Leave it to birth and have done with it. I I refuse to accept it. Get control of yourself, Mary. I'm leaving here in the morning. I'm frightened. And if you had any sense, you'd leave too. If you stay here, you'll go mad. Very well, Mary. If that's what you call gratitude, you can go. Oh, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, but I, I won't remain another night. Are you sure you saw John? No, but he was there in my room. Did you talk with him? No. No, that is I. Then how do you know he was there? Well, Bertha told me he was there. Bertha? Was she there, too? Oh, yes. She she told me what he wanted. He said he couldn't reach you. Oh, why should John appear to everyone but me? Oh, I don't know. But I, I know he was there. I could sense it. I tell you, there was someone in the room with Bertha. It must have been John. Oh, let Bertha have the estate or something terrible will happen to all of us. Oh, please, Elizabeth. Go to bed, Mary. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Yes, Elizabeth. Mary. 
Next day, Herbert goes into town and pays a visit to Henry Wentworth, Elizabeth's attorney. Wentworth was also John's attorney for many years and was familiar with the family for two decades. Mr. Wentworth, you drew John Kemper's will. Yes, I did. Have you any idea why he cut his sister Bertha off without a dollar? No, but in the last five years, John turned against Bertha. Turned against her violently. Why? I don't really know. She was his only sister and he had no brothers. It was very strange. What happened to Bertha's husband? Well, he died about five years ago. Committed suicide. He worked with John at one time. Then John set him up in a business of his own. Thought he went to the wall and the crash at 29 and lost every penny. Just couldn't take it, so he killed himself. He left nothing? Nothing but an insurance policy to his wife, Bertha. Didn't amount to much. Five thousand, I think. Were John and Bertha's husband on good terms? Mm, apparently the best of friends. How did Bertha's husband die? Took poison. Overdose of sleeping tablets. Mm, I see. But from the day Bertha's husband died, John, her brother, seemed to turn against Bertha and shortly changed his will, cutting Bertha off. I was the only one who knew about it until the will was read. Have you any idea why he changed the will? No. None whatever. It was none of my business. Uh, yes. Well, thank you, Mr. Wentworth. I, I appreciate your telling me this. Good day. Then Herbert pays another visit. A visit to Dr. Martin, formerly John Kemper's physician. Dr. Martin is at first reluctant to talk, but finally answers a few questions. Uh, Dr... Uh, you were John Kemper's physician for many years? Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. Was there anything wrong with him? You mean, was he unbalanced? Uh, no, no. Did he have any severe ailments? Well, no. No, well, the last year or so, he seemed to change considerably, though. Became a bit morose. Anything wrong with his heart? Well, yes and no. Yes and no? Well, he, he began to suffer from severe headaches. Took to using a lot of aspirin. Was too much of anything's bad. Uh, he was killed in a car wreck. Yes, he'd been to the city and was driving back home late at night. Drove off into the ditch. Did you attend him? I saw the body shortly after the wreck. Been dead about an hour, badly smashed up. Was it his heart? Oh, could have been, but I, I think he went to sleep at the wheel. Was there an autopsy? No, it was obvious how he died. His skull had been crushed in. Mm -hmm. Who had he visited in the city on business? I, I don't know. I never thought about it. Where is John Kemper buried? In the family vault at the edge of his own estate. Didn't you know that? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, I'd forgotten. Uh, well, good day, Doctor. And thanks for the information. Then later that night, the household prepares to settle down to sleep. One by one, the lights go out in the various rooms. Now only that in Elizabeth's room remains. Will there be anything else, ma'am? No. No, Higgins. That'll be all. Has everyone gone to bed? Oh, yes, ma'am. They've all retired. Is the milk warm enough? Yes. Good night, Higgins. Good night, ma'am. I hope you rest well tonight. Thank you, Higgins. The moon bathes the estate in its eerie glow. The big clock strikes off the hour. Then, in the distance, there is the howl of a dog. A mournful howl of impending doom. John's dog crying in its loneliness. Across the lawn from the family vault walks a haggard figure in the moonlight. A figure with long white hair walking toward the house. 
In a few moments later, the weird figure appears in Mary's room, stands in the shadows, and points at Mary. What, what do you want? Who are you? I am John. John? Okay. I've come back to talk to you. You must hear me. But I hear you. I made a great mistake in life. I hated my sister, but I know all things now. Bertha's a good woman. I'm doomed to walk this place without rest until I've made amends. Do you understand? Yes. Yes, I, I understand. If Elizabeth refuses to listen to my pleas and leaves this estate to you, you will never rest a moment under this roof, for I can never leave. It rightfully belongs to Bertha, and to her it must go. Oh, I, I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. I won't stay here. I promise, just, just let me alone. I will. If you and your son leave here at once. We will. We will. I, I, oh, where are you? John? Are you here? John? <gasps> Mary gasps and suddenly falls back on her pillow. Poor Mary has fainted dead away. From the darkened stairway, the great clock chimes out the hour. Three o'clock. Elizabeth, eyes closed but still awake, senses a presence and slowly opens her eyes. Standing close beside her is the white-haired figure, its face hidden in the shadows. No, no, Elizabeth, don't turn on the light. Who? Who is it? You wouldn't want to see me. I've been out there too long. John! John! At last I've reached through to you. Oh, I must be dreaming again. No, I... not this time. Why? Why are you whispering, John? I'm not whispering, Elizabeth. Can't you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can hear you. I... What is that odor? Odor? Yes, a strange odor. Like... like the smell of flowers. A musty odor of roses. Why? I've just come from the vault, Elizabeth. <gasps> John! John, what is it? What do you want? You're going to make your will tomorrow. Yes, yes. Only you can right the wrong I've done. Wrong? My father left this estate to me with the understanding that I should leave it to birth. Yes, I know. I suspected her of wrongdoing and cut her off and instructed you to do so. Yes. But now I know that I was wrong. You must leave the estate to her. You must right my wrongs so that I can go on to my rest. Yes, yes, John. If you fail to do this... I shall be doomed to walk this place throughout eternity. And all those who come here shall not know a moment's peace. Yes, I understand, John. If you fail me, you too shall suffer my torment with me forever. Yes, I... I'll do it. I'll do as you say, only... I... John... Your heart, Elizabeth? Yes, I... You haven't much time, Elizabeth. You'll be joining me soon. I know. John, where are you? I promise, John. I promise. Elizabeth clutches at her heart, gasping for breath. A few moments pass, and she revives sufficiently to reach for the stimulant on the nightstand. She pours a dose, and as she swallows it, she glances out the window over the moonlit grounds. 
Across the lawn moves the white-haired figure, gliding toward the family vault at the edge of the estate. John! John! <laughs> Elizabeth drops the glass and falls to the floor. A few seconds later, Bertha hurries into the room. Elizabeth! Elizabeth! Mary! Herbert! What happened, Mother? Hurry! What happened? Is she all right? Elizabeth! Elizabeth! Oh! She's dead. Who screamed? Must have been Elizabeth. Had another attack. She's still breathing. Put her on the bed. There's her medicine. I'll get another glass. You stay here, Mary. I'll get the glass from the bathroom. What do you suppose happened to her? Maybe. Maybe it was... uh... Was what? I I don't know. What's wrong with you, Mother? You're white as a sheet. Am I? What are you trying to say? Well, I saw it, too. Saw what? What did you see? I I saw him. John. He was in my room a while ago. I, I talked to him. You talked to him? Yes, and he talked to me. I I heard him and I saw him. What did he say? Stop whimpering and tell us. He said, he said... Mother, mother, stop it, stop it. I won't stay. I won't stay. I won't. Come back here. Grab her, see Elizabeth's coming, too. Um, Aunt Elizabeth. Aunt Elizabeth. Oh, I... You're you're all right now. Just take it easy. Yes. Yes, I'm all right. What's wrong with... Mary. She says she saw John and talked to him. I think she's imagining things. No, no. She isn't imagining things. I I know. I, I saw him, too. He was here. He talked to oh, me. Oh, now, look, Aunt Elizabeth. The whole thing is... No, here. no, no. He was here. It was no dream. I saw him walk through the garden toward the vault. When? It can't be very long ago. There was a strange, sickly odor in the room all the while he was here. It smelled like musty roses. Oh, be quiet, Mother. Now maybe you believe what I've been telling you. What did he say? It was about his will and my will. And he talked about Bertha. About me? Yes. He said he was wrong about you. Wants to make things right through me. He knew I intended to make my will tomorrow. And he told me just what to do. Yes, that's what he said to me, too. You? Yes. Why, this is the strangest thing I've ever encountered. Why should he talk to you? Well, he did, I tell you. And Elizabeth must do what he wants. Otherwise, something will happen. What will happen? Well, I, I don't know. I want you to call Mr. Wentworth, the lawyer, and have him here first thing in the morning. I want to draw my will, as John tells me. Yeah, very well. I, I think I'll have a look around the grounds. Never go back to sleep now, anyway. So, uh, good night, Aunt Elizabeth. Herbert wanders about the grounds for a while and finally goes to Higgins, the butler, and after some persuasion obtains the keys to the family vault. The next morning, the lawyer, Wentworth, visits Elizabeth in her room. Well, how are you this morning, Elizabeth? Much better, Mr. Wentworth. You had a bad night. Yes, I guess I had another attack. Oh, so? Uh, Mr. Wentworth, I want to draw up my will. I should have done it long ago, but, well, something held me back. I see. Well, I'll take down the data and have it typed, then bring it back for you to sign. I'll be in court all day, probably through the evening. So I'll have to come around 11 tonight. Very well, as soon as possible. Good. Now, let's have the particulars. Yes. To my sister, Mary Wilton, I leave the five-room cottage in Danbury. Hmm? To my nephew, Herbert Wilton, I leave $1,000 in cash. Yes. And to my husband's sister, Bertha Mallory... I leave all other property, personal and real, amounting to some $400,000. What? Please. 
amounting to some $400,000, according to my late husband's wishes. What do you mean? John stipulated that you leave not a penny to Bertha. John has changed his mind. When did he change his mind? Since his death. Don't you think we'd better postpone this until you feel better? I want my will drawn just as I have told you. But what do you mean by saying John has changed his mind? How could he? He told me so last night. Do you know what you're saying? Yes. I saw John. I talked to him. He was wrong in his attitude toward Bertha. Oh, this is... This is ridiculous. I want it done as I say. Very well. I'll draw it up this way. But I certainly think that... You think I'm insane? Well, since you bring it up, yes, I do. So did I, at first. But I'm not. I'll be expecting you around 11 tonight, Mr. Wentworth. Yes. Yes, of course. I, I'll be here. Now it is shortly after 11, the same night. The lawyer has returned to the will, and Elizabeth has called her three relatives to her room. Very well, Mr. Wentworth. This is drawn the way I want it. You mean as John wants it? I mean just that. <laughs> I'm leaving the property that was mine before I married John, a small cottage, to you, Mary, and a thousand dollars to Herbert. All else I am leaving according to John's directions to you, Bertha. That's the way John wants it. And that's the way it shall be. You must do as you think best. I'm doing as John wishes. Hand me the pen, Wentworth. There you are. And I hope you all understand. I don't. Thank you, Elizabeth. Well, now that you've got it, Bertha, what good is it going to do? What do you mean? How much chance do you think you'll have to use it? What happiness do you think it'll bring you? More than it would you. Isn't it rightfully mine? Is it? That's the way John wanted oh, it. Oh, no, it is. The way you are. I had nothing to do with John it. John made a will. He's never wanted to change. Elizabeth knows better than that. Aunt Elizabeth knows nothing of the kind. This is my house now, and the sooner you leave, the better. You'll be living sooner than I will, you and your spooks. You don't believe in ghosts, and you never saw one. I saw John. Night after night, everyone saw him. Everyone but me, because I'm not a dunk. Your own mother Mary saw him and talked to him. Hush, John is dead in his coffin out there in the vault. I saw him. But I did see him. So did I. You wouldn't know if you did see him. We would. We've seen him. Then turn around. Turn around, all of you. And look. John. Good Lord. Is that John? Is it? Yes, yes. Take off your wig. Higgins. Yes, the butler. There's your spook. I'm sorry, ma'am. I, I... You can go, Higgins. I'll explain everything. Yes. Bertha hired Higgins to impersonate John. That's a lie. Higgins would never have done it if he'd known about the murders. I trapped him into it. He confessed everything. Murders? What do you mean? I got wise to the whole thing. I investigated the whole story about Bertha's husband and John's accidental death. They were both murdered. You're lying. I had the bodies exhumed and examined. They both died of an overdose of sleeping tablets. The very same purchased by Bertha at a certain drugstore. He's crazy. He's crazy. I tell she you, don't listen. She put the tablets in her husband's aspirin bottle. She was the one John visited. That night he had the wreck. She must have drugged him. That's why he went to sleep at the wheel. I didn't. I didn't. She killed her husband for his insurance. And John cut her off in his will because he suspected that she killed her husband. It's a lie. A lie, I tell John you. never wanted his will changed. I have proof of the whole thing, and the police are waiting outside now. You haven't a chance, Bertha. You're guilty. The police. Oh, What no, good no. will all this do you? Where is your fortune now? They'll hang you. Oh, oh dear. Yes, I did. I did it. I don't know why, but I did it. I gave them the tablet. Did Higgins know that? No. No, he didn't know. I... Oh... 
Bertha, she's fainted. Mother! No, she hasn't fainted. What's wrong with her? She's dead. Hand me that will, Mr. Wentworth. I want to draw up a new one in the morning. Well, there you are. That's the story. John never wanted his will changed, and for good reason. He really knew the truth. But wait a minute. How did you figure this one out, Herbert? You didn't really have those bodies exhumed, did you? I didn't have them exhumed. And if I had, there would have been no traces of sleeping tablets left. And there were no police waiting outside. I was bluffing. Working on pure hypothesis. But it did work. Yes, it worked, Herbert. And it afforded me a very nice story indeed. (laughs) Thank you, Herbert. You're welcome. (laughs) CBS has presented The Whistler. production was composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The Whistler is written and directed by J. Donald Wilson and originates from Columbia Square in Hollywood. Next week, same time, I, the Whistler, will return to tell you another weird tale. Good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for My Favorite Husband next on Theater of the Mind. And now Lucille Ball stars in My Favorite Husband. We present My Favorite Husband, a new series based on the delightful stories of Isabel Scott Rorick's gay and sophisticated Mr. and Mrs. Cougar. Starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Ten years ago, Elizabeth Elliot decided to marry an eligible bachelor. So she picked handsome man-about-town George Cougat. Because, as Liz put it... George was the most eligible, eligible bachelor eligible. Well, since, (laughs) since their marriage... Neither Liz nor George has said much about children. But then, children have never said much about them either. That's because they don't have any. Children, I mean. In fact, the only time it ever came up was when they returned from their honeymoon and George was showing Liz around their new house. Wait a minute, George. What's this little bedroom here? Well, uh, I kind of thought it would look cute and pink and blue with nursery rhymes on the walls. But uh, we can fix it up temporarily as a maid's room. What do you mean, temporarily as a maid's room? Well, someday we may want a couple of little ones. You mean a couple of little maids instead of one big one? (laughs) 
Well, that was, as I say, ten years ago. So today, Mr. and Mrs. Cougat are still just two people who live together and like it. Lucille Ball is Liz, with Richard Denning as George in My Favorite Husband. It is morning at the Cougat house. Katie, the maid, has gone out to the mailbox to see if the postman left any ads or blotters, and Liz is cooking breakfast, and George is still upstairs dressing. Finally, Liz goes to the foot of the stairs and calls. George! Yes, darling? I've got your breakfast ready. The toast is burned just the way you like it. (laughs) Okay, I'll be right down. Yes, Katie. Uh, why does Mr. Cougat like burnt toast? I don't know. He developed a taste for it after we were married. <laughs> Good morning, Liz, darling. Morning, Katie. Morning, Mr. Cougat. George, aren't you going to kiss me this morning? On an empty stomach? <laughs> Certainly. Give me a kiss. I'm fresh out. Oh, come on, George. You must have an old kiss lying around somewhere. Okay. There. How's that? That wasn't just lying around. It was dead. <laughs> that had all the zip of the old George Cougat. Well, the old George Cougat better get a new zipper. <laughs> what are you laughing about, Katie? <laughs> I was just thinking about my first husband, Clarence. Now, there was a kisser. Good? No, ugly. <laughs> Come on, George. Your breakfast is ready. Oh, so am I. Uh, where's the morning paper, Katie? George, are you going to bury yourself in that paper again this morning? Oh, I just want to look at the financial page and see how the stock market is doing. Oh, here it is, Mr. Cougat. Oh, thanks, Katie. Now, let's see now. Amalgamated copper, fisk tires. Hmm, AT&T is down two points. I'd better get some. Hmm, TP&L is down one point. Well, I'd better get some. Hmm, SFO&P is down three points. I'd better get some. Hmm. Yeah, what's the matter? BVD is down two cents. You need some. Yes, you've been looking. You've been showing. Oh, here's an item about Jane Kendall. I have to get her something, George. She's expecting her baby. Yeah, baby. I don't want to have any of that last-minute rushing. Yeah, rushing. You know, having a baby must be pretty tough. Yeah, pretty tough. George, are you listening to me? Oh, sure, Liz. Every word. What did I say? Say? Why, uh... Oh, you said those Russians are pretty tough babies. (laughs) Didn't you? No, I didn't. Oh. Tough Russians are pretty babies? (laughs) Wrong again. Pretty Russian babies are tough? Never mind. Yugoslav babies? (laughs) Never mind. If you weren't lost in that financial page, you'd hear what I said. Well, but Liz, in my business, it's important that I know what's happening in the stock market. I have to keep an eye on the bulls and the bears so that some wolf in sheep's clothing doesn't make me the goat. After all, I work in a bank. Sounds like the Chicago stockyards. (laughs) I don't see what's so wonderful about that financial page. It bores me stiff. I haven't the slightest interest in finances. Well, that's because you're not in business, darling. Say, uh, was there any mail this morning? Yes, ma'am. Is there any mail this morning? Yes, the morning mail. <laughs> well, that sounds reasonable. Hmm, is that all? One letter? That's all, Mr. Cougat. 
but the people next door got a lot of mail this morning. Shall I go over and borrow some? <laughs> Don't bother, Katie. Open the letter, George. It's probably from someone who's on their vacation. All of our friends are out of town. Let's see now. Who do we know that went to the mountains or the seashore? It's from Barclay Brothers Department Store. Oh, it can't be. Why not? Well, who do we know that would spend their vacation at a department store? <laughs> Nobody. But we do know somebody who would run up a bill there last month of $250, don't we, Liz? Liz? Oh, what's new on the financial page, George? <laughs> Liz. Oh, come on, George. Tell me about the bears and the bulls again, George. <laughs> George, will you, George? <laughs> Liz, this is serious. You went over your allowance again, didn't you? Yes, George. Oh, Liz. What am I going to do with you? Raise my allowance? <laughs> I can't raise your allowance. I didn't get that mortgage deal with that real estate woman in Florida. Oh. Old man Atterbury must have found out about it because I didn't get that raise. Well, tell him you can't raise a wife and children on your salary. Well, but Liz, Mr. Atterbury knows we don't have any children. Well, then tell him we're expecting some on the next boat. <laughs> boat from where? Wherever children come from. <laughs> Had a talk with your mother lately, Liz? Of course. What did she say? She gave me a book to read. You know, what was the name of it? How to Win Friends and Influence People. Well, that ought to do the trick. Liz, there's only one sensible thing for us to do. I knew you'd think of something, George. We've got to live within our means. Mm -hmm. Stick to our budget. Wonderful idea. It's not only sensible, it's impossible. <laughs> it's really very simple, Liz How? Well, just don't charge things we don't need Sounds simple, doesn't it? Of course George, from now on I promise I won't charge a thing we don't need Good I'll pay cash for it Mrs. Cougat, I didn't know you could knit. Neither did I, Katie. How do you like it? Oh, it's adorable. Um, what is it? Baby booties. They're for Mrs. Kendall. Well, do you think they'll fit her? Katie, <laughs> Mrs. Kendall's going to have a baby. Oh, are you going to be there? No, she's just having the family and a few close doctors. <laughs> Mrs. Cougat, wouldn't it be easier for you to buy Mrs. Kendall some baby booties instead of getting all tangled up in that yarn? Yes, Katie, but I'm trying to help Mr. Cougat save some money. And baby booties cost $5 a pair. Well, how much did all this yarn cost? $10, but that's for five balls. But you won't need five balls of yarn to make one pair of baby booties. Well, I'm using the rest to make a sweater to match. To match the booty? No, a sweater to match the skirt I picked up for $29.95. I think it's wonderful of you to help Mr. Cougat save that way. Well, the only trouble is I had to charge all this stuff. So I think it would be better if we just didn't say anything about it, Katie. I understand, Mrs. Cougat. He'll probably laugh when he finds out that I've learned to knit. Yes, but he'll stop when he finds out how much it costs. Oh, I better hide this knitting. Hey, anybody home? Oh, it's only Corey. Yes, mankind's gift to womankind. In the living room, Corey. Hi, Liz. It's Corey Cartwright, that gay dog. Throw him a bone, Katie. <laughs> oh, I'm not in the mood for jokes, Liz. I'll put your hat in the hole, Mr. Cartwright. What's the matter, Corey? I met the most beautiful girl at a 
beautiful party in a beautiful penthouse last night. Didn't you have fun? Yes, the beautiful girl and I spent a beautiful evening looking at the beautiful moon. Sounds beautiful. Not quite. Why? She had an ugly husband. <laughs> what was his name? I don't know. He never did catch me. What makes you so fickle? Well, I'm not fickle, Liz. I just can't make up my mind. Well, sooner or later, the right girl will come along, and then you'll settle down, and she'll be knitting these books. Liz, am I seeing things? Are you knitting baby things? Yes, baby booties. Liz, you mean you? Why didn't you tell me? Well, I didn't know you'd be that interested. <laughs> interested? Of course I'm interested. Congratulations. Well, thanks. Why, I had no idea. Neither did I. In fact, I was just telling Katie I didn't know I could do it myself. Of course you can, Liz. I think every married woman should. You do? Certainly. What's marriage got to do with it? But good old George, he hasn't said a word about this, Liz. Well, good old George doesn't know about it. I'll bet George... I beg your pardon? George doesn't know about it, and don't you tell him. But why? Shouldn't he know? No, Mr. Atterbury didn't give him his raise, and this wasn't on our budget, so I had to charge it. Payments <laughs> for everything these days. But really, Liz, don't you think you should tell him? No, he'd only worry about the budget. And besides, if George found out about this, he'd want me to take it back. <laughs> Yes, Cartwright. Well, I'm glad you did call me. <laughs> I had no idea Mrs. Cougat was expecting a bundle of joy. <laughs> no wonder he's been wanting a raise. Oh, yeah, sure, I agree with you. Yeah, I'll call him into my office right away. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Cartwright. Goodbye. <laughs> well, <laughs> so young Cougat's finally going to have an addition to the family. Eh? <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Miss Johnson, you come into my office. Mr. Cougat, Mr. Atterbury wants to see you right away. Uh-oh. Has he heard about the collapse of that Florida deal? Not that I know of. I didn't tell him. Okay. I'll go right in. I wonder who told the old man about my failure with that real estate woman. I'll bet that's the reason he didn't give me a raise. Well, after all, it might happen to anybody. Oh, George! George, my boy, my boy, come in, come in. Sit down. Thanks. Uh, George, George, I want to have a talk with you. Shall we say, uh, father to son? Uh, well, is it uh, about the raise I didn't get? Uh, yes, yes. So, no, that is, uh, <laughs> George, George, I realize that you can't raise children on your salary. <laughs> of course, you don't have any children yet. <laughs> no, but we're expecting some on the next boat. <laughs> what? Oh, nothing. That's that's just something Liz told me this morning. Uh, look, Mr. Atterbury, I, I know why you called me in here. Oh, you do? Uh, yes, and I just want to say that anybody can make a mistake. <laughs> a mistake? Yes, maybe I tried too hard. <laughs> now, my boy, you know, it isn't as easy as you think. <laughs> Then, then you're not angry? Angry? Oh, on the contrary. You've got my best wishes, my boy. Oh, thanks, Mr. Atterbury. 
You know, that woman had me worried for a while. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she just didn't like the idea. Well, women are funny sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah, she, she wanted me to do the whole thing by myself. <laughs> but, uh, I understood that you both wanted Oh, I did. She didn't. Oh, really? And, and don't forget, we were a thousand miles from each other. <laughs> a thousand miles? Sure, she was in Florida. Good heavens, now wait a minute. If she was in Florida, then oh, I... By telephone, see? Uh, the whole thing was arranged over the telephone. <laughs> well, that settles it, George, my boy. I'm not only going to give you that raise. I'm going to pay that telephone bill. <laughs> Hi, Liz. Darling, you're looking at a new man, the brand new 1948 model George Cougar. How much did you get for the old one? Plenty. How about a kiss? Aren't you afraid you'll dent your fenders? <laughs> Come on, darling. How about a kiss for your hard-working husband? Nope, not in the mood. Since when? This morning. <laughs> I'll bet I can make you kiss me. I'll bet you can. Okay. Well, don't let me convince you. <laughs> All right. Well, first, I'll put my arms around you like this. Mm-hmm. Now, you put your arms around me like that. Mm-hmm. Now, tilt your chin up. Mm-hmm. There. Now, now, when I say a word, you say the name of the first fruit you think of. Mm-hmm. Ready? Okay, but I won't kiss you. Candied. Orange. Baked. Apple. Stewed. Prune. I win. You kissed me. But you tricked me. That was a dirty, mean, low-down, underhanded trick. Trick me again, George. Uh-uh. You might get to like it. George Cougat, there's only one word for a man like you. What is it? Coon. <laughs> okay, scatterbrain. There. Coon is a beautiful word, George. Oh, wonderful word, Prune. I love you. I love you, too, Liz. Guess what happened at the office today? I don't know. Sit down and tell me all about it. Well, old man Atterbury called me in and... Hey, Liz, what's this? What's what? Well, it's uh, knitted stuff behind the chair. Knitted stuff, George? Yeah. Looks like, like baby shoes. Oh, that. Probably dust balls. <laughs> Liz, knitted dust balls? Oh, you may not know it, George, but we had the best-looking dust balls in town. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. There's a whole lot of yarn down in here, too. Look, what, what is it, Liz? All right, Sherlock, you win. They're baby booties. Baby booties? Mm-hmm. Liz, you mean you? Didn't think I could do it, did you? <laughs> well, sure, but, but Liz, darling, this is wonderful. I thought it was pretty good myself. <laughs> well, gosh, honey, why didn't you tell me? I was afraid you'd be sore. I charged all that yarn to our account, and I went over our budget again. Oh, all this yarn to make one pair of baby booties? Mm. Oh, what are you going to do with the rest of it? Why, uh, uh... Well, what, Liz? Well, uh, uh, make more baby booties. More? Mm-hmm. Oh, good night. How many will you need? Well, you never can tell, George. It might be triplets. Triplets? Mm-hmm. Holy cats. I, I told old man Atterbury we were expecting some on the next boat. 
I didn't know the fleet was in. Katie, Katie, come quick. Mr. Kugat's fainted. Well, what happened, Mrs. Kugat? I don't know. He said something about the fleet's in, then he sank. <laughs> Can you hear me? George, this is Liz. This is Liz. Glad to know you, Liz. I'm George. Oh, I think he's coming too, Mrs. Cougar. Yeah, come on, George. Oh, where am I? You're in bed. Oh, good night, Liz. Come on, George. Sit up. Up, Daisy. That's it. What happened? You fainted, Magnolia Blossom. Oh, yeah. Oh, but... But, Liz, you're the one that should be in bed, not me. Now, just stay where you are, George. You're as pale as a ghost. How did I get up here? Katie and I carried you. She carried, Mr. Cougat. I dragged. (laughs) You put on a little weight since the last time we carried you upstairs. (laughs) Oh, Liz, you, you shouldn't be lifting anything heavy now, especially upstairs. Well, Katie helped. Who brought me in here? Katie and I. Who put me to bed? Katie and I. Liz. What's the matter? Who put on my pajamas? That brought the color back to his cheeks, Mrs. Cougar. <laughs> Katie went downstairs, George. Oh. And I brought back this. Here, Mr. Cougar, take a sip of this brandy. It'll make you feel better. Are you sure that's brandy, Katie? Yes, ma'am. Remember the last time I fainted, you got hold of Mr. Cougar's bottle of Vitalis. My Vitalis? It went down all right, but I had to give my stomach a 60-second workout. <laughs> oh, don't worry, ma'am. This is brandy, all right. You're sure? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Positive. Oh, darn it, Corey. I haven't been able to do any work all day. Look at the stuff pile up on my desk. So Liz finally told you about the baby, huh, George? Well, not exactly, but when I found those baby booties, she could hardly deny it. But but she doesn't seem too interested. That's the way women are, George. You have to be very understanding at a time like this. Mm. Why don't you try to draw it out of her? Hint around. Maybe she'll confess. I tried that already. But, but she acted like she didn't even know what I was talking about. Why? What did you say to her? Oh, I told her I understood that women who are expecting a baby get peculiar desires for food. So Liz said, what kind of food? And I said, kiddingly, oh, like ice cream and melted cheese poured over and a dill pickle on the top. What did Liz say? Well, she just said, what's peculiar about that? (laughs) That sounds like something Liz would say. I think I'll call her and see how she feels. Go ahead. You've only called her about 30 times today. Uh, hello, Katie. Uh, how's Mrs. Cougat feeling, Katie? What? The hospital? What's the matter, George? Oh, Liz has gone to the hospital. Already? Hello, Katie. Uh, which hospital did she go to? Yeah. Yeah. To phone her there? Well, I'll do better than that. I'll go, I'll go over there. Goodbye, Katie. Now keep calm, George. Getting excited won't help him. Yeah, keep calm. You're right, Corey. Don't get excited. Where's my hospital? I mean, where's my hat? Oh, wait a minute, George. Keep calm. I'll go with you. Now, don't get excited. Okay, okay. I'm calm. I'm calm. Uh, Let's go. All right, but you can't go that way. What way? With the telephone on your head. Oh. Thanks a 
million for coming to the hospital with me, Liz. It was wonderful of you. Well, you're welcome, Jane, honey. I'm only glad I could do something to help. You have. Norman was so worried. He's read so many stories in the paper about taxi drivers having to stop on the way to the hospital because the baby arrived ahead of time. I wonder if they leave the meter running when that happens. <laughs> oh, you make me feel good, Liz. When I probably should be feeling horrible. Do I, honey? I, am. Um... I guess you're always a little anxious with the first one. Well, you haven't anything to worry about, Jane. You'll be all right. And when it's all over, you'll realize that this has been a very wonderful experience for you. Something you wouldn't take a million dollars for. Uh, you think you could stay with me, Liz? I mean, um... Until the baby arrives? Of course, honey. I wouldn't think of leaving. Thanks. Norman should be here pretty soon. What do you want, Jane? A boy or a girl? Well, I'd sort of like a little girl. How about Norman? Oh, he says he just wants a boy or a girl. Well, I hope he isn't disappointed. <laughs> George, are you sure this is the right hospital? I don't know. Wait here, Corey. I'll ask that nurse at the desk. Um, I beg your pardon, nurse. Yes? Do you have babies here? Yes. Um, this is the place, Corey. <laughs> okay. Is there something I can do for you? Uh, no, thanks. My wife's doing it. Your wife? Uh, Mrs. Cougat. I'm Mr. Cougat. We have the same name. Uh, that's understandable. Uh, is she here? Uh, yes, she is, Mr. Cougat. But you can't see her now. She left a message for you. Oh, what is it? She said to tell you that she's decided to stay at the hospital until the baby arrives. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, will you give her a message for me? Certainly. Uh, just tell her I think that she's made a wise decision. <laughs> George, don't you think you should go home and wait until you hear from Liz like the nurse told you? Oh, of course, Corey, but I have to get this stuff before I go home. Isn't it a little premature? Of course not. I want to be ready. But look at all the stuff you bought already. Electric trains... Baseball bat, drum and bugle, football helmet, boxing gloves. Maybe I should get him a football, too. George, do you realize that a newborn infant can't even stand up, much less play football? Why don't you get it a, a rattle? A rattle? Oh, rattles are for kids. My son is going to play right tackle for Princeton. I hope he's in shape. They play their first game next week. <laughs> Now, Corey, let's not be silly about this kid. No, let's not be that. Obviously, he can't play right tackle with Princeton next week. Oh, obviously. He doesn't know the signals. <laughs> George, now, suppose it isn't a boy. Suppose it's a girl. Girl? Oh, no, it can't be a girl. Liz wouldn't do that to me. Liz hasn't got anything to say about it. What do you mean, Liz hasn't got anything to say about it? She's its mother. Yeah, but how can Liz make the child be a boy or a girl? Well, she has to learn to discipline it sometime. Hello, Katie. Oh, Mrs. Cougat. Did Mrs. Kendall have her baby? Yes, she did. Is Mr. Cougat home? Uh, yes, ma'am. He and Mr. Cartwright are in the study and acting mighty strange, if you ask me. Oh, really? I'll go in. Will dinner be ready soon? Yes, ma'am, in about a half hour. George! Oh, George! What in the name of... George! Look out, Corey. Here comes the Eastbound Express. Hey! 
Liz, darling. Hi, Liz. Liz, what are you doing home so soon? What do you mean soon? It's after seven. (laughs) Yeah, but but what about the baby? It was born an hour ago. An an hour ago? Sure. But, but, But how'd you get out of the hospital? I walked out. How do you think? Oh, but, but didn't the doctor say anything to you? Yeah, he said goodbye. Well, I knew medical science had made progress, but I didn't know it was anything like this. What about the baby, Liz? What is it? It's a boy. A boy? Oh, what did I tell you, Corey? Oh, Liz, who does he look like? He looks like Norman Kendall. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. Who? Norman Kendall, who'd you expect him to look like, you? Well, as a matter of fact, I did. <laughs> well, after all, I am his father. <laughs> what? Now, listen. Excuse me, Mrs. Fugat. The hospital just phoned to tell you that it was twins. Twins? Oh, give me time. I just became the father of a boy. This one's a girl. Congratulations, George. Now you're a mother, too. <laughs> Oh, Liz, darling, why didn't you tell me Jane and Norman Kendall were expecting a baby? I told you the other morning at breakfast that you were too busy reading the financial page. Oh, Uh, that reminds me. Where's the evening paper? I'm sitting on it. Sitting on it? Why? Because I want to tell you about Mitzi, and I don't want you to get me mixed up with Mitzi like you did with Jane. All right. What is it? Mrs. Jordan says Mitzi is expecting. Who's Mitzi? Her cocker spaniel. Sleep? Not yet. Can I sit on the side of your bed? Sure. There. Isn't this cozy? Mm-hmm. George, your bed's higher than mine. Maybe it's because you're sitting on my stomach. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, darling. Is that better? Much. George? Yes, Liz. I'll bet I can make you kiss me. I'll bet you can't. All right. First, I put my arms around you. Mm-mm. But I won't bite on this. I taught it to you. Now, tilt your chin up like this. Now, ready? Yeah. I'm ready, but I won't bite. Candied orange. Mm-mm. Baked apple. Mm-mm. Stewed, uh, stewed... Oh, darn, what is that other word? Oh, you mean prune? <laughs> Liz, you tricked me. <laughs> Good night, George. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Suspense, followed by Jack Benny. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.